90. Psalm 90. Uh, we just finished up uh, a, uh, a series through the book of, of Lamentations. Uh, Lamentations was a, uh, a, a series of laments, probably written by the, by the prophet Jeremiah about the fall of Jerusalem. But what we, what we notice throughout the scriptures is that there's not just la, la, the book of laments, the, the book of Psalms are full of different laments. There, there, this seems to be a lament even uh, here tonight. Um, I pray that we would be encouraged by God's word. Let me just read the first two verses, pray, and then we will dive in. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Uh, we pray tonight as we open your word that you would um, hide me behind your cross, that I would decrease, that you would increase we pray, God, that from your word tonight that we would see how amazing and holy and eternal you are and how small and finite we are. And I pray, God, that because of that, we would have the right heart and the right mind to live for you and for your glory. So bless the preaching and teaching and receiving of your word tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the book of Psalms is broken into to five books. It's kind of like the, the almost very similar to like the Torah. You have the five books of Moses, and then you have these five uh, books of the Psalms. We're beginning book four uh, tonight. Um, it says right there at the beginning that it was a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Now, uh, most scholars believe that this was a prayer that was preserved from the time of Moses that, that kept, uh, that was uh, codified as the Word of God, put into Holy Scriptures. Uh, others would say that this was not a prayer of Moses, but this was, a, this was a from the actual Moses, but it was someone who was trying to get us into understanding uh, as the as leader Moses was trying to lead his people into the Promised Land. Uh, I, I believe it was the prayer of, of Moses himself that it was uh, preserved for us and for our edification. Uh, this psalm has four different breakdowns. The, the first really kind of shows the, the eternality of God how God is eternal. Look at, again with me at verses 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. This idea of that God has been our, our refuge, our fortress, our, our temple. It's, it's where we go to find sustenance and protection. And it says this, in all generations, for all time, you have been our, our dwelling place. And I think this is important right off the bat is because we think about this past two years and we think about how many things have changed in our lives, how many things have changed in the world, how many things regularly change in your life that seem unstable. You have a relationship that was, was strong and all of a sudden that relationship is becoming more fractured. You have, you have a job that you've loved, you've been there for a long time and all of a sudden you've lost it. You've had a, had a home that you're able to, to care for yourself and all of a sudden you, you move. You have, you have one church family, you're, you're, you, know, you have a new one coming in to be even joining us. But what we start here at the beginning of the psalm is we see that even though the world is changing all around us, God does not change. God is always our dwelling place. God is always the one who is stable and secure, our refuge and our fortress. This is what he says in verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth. And we think about the mountains and the, the strength and the stability of the mountains. Or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. 
right off the, right off the bat, he's stating his, his theology that you are the eternal God. You are from everlasting to everlasting. If you are a believer in Christ, you should believe the same thing. That is the scriptures. You believe that God is from the beginning. Even before there was, there was God. We can't wrap our minds around it, but that is a good and glorious thing for us in a world that is always changing and in, in us who sometimes feel that we're changing and not always doing what we ought. We know that our God is immutable, unchangeable. And right off the bat, we want to take confidence in that there is no one beyond God. God is beyond time. He is from everlasting to everlasting. I pray that gives you comfort. I know it does for me time and time again when I think about this world and how this world is perishing, this world is falling apart, our bodies, our homes, our cars are all perishing, and yet the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. That's really how we, how we how the second break in this psalm is God is eternal, then secondly, man is dust. Man is dust. We are fleeting. Look at verse 3. It says, you return man to dust. Now, when we read that, we have to read the whole, this whole next section, not in the, the mere fact that we are dying, um, but the fact that we are under judgment. When you hear the word return to dust, you're thinking about the, the Garden of Eden in Genesis. When God pronounces judgment on man, it says, you are dust, and from dust you shall return. So when he's saying you, you, are, you are dust, it's a reminder that you are fallen sinners, that you're not just finite uh, because you are human. You are finite because you are sinful human. You are fallen. So remember, you are, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Uh, so often we try to, to, to live in a way that we think that we're going to live forever. We do things thinking that God is not going to hold us accountable to those things. We try desperately to make sure that, that, our, that our bodies and our minds remain sharp, and yet we know that Death is going to come to us all. This was that, that reminder again and again as we studied Ecclesiastes over the summer. Death is that great equalizer. And when we compare our lives to God, just, just think about that for a moment. We, we are like the grass of the field, right? We, we, in the morning, we are renewed and refreshed. And yet by evening, we begin to wither in one day or a watch in the night, three hours. But what is the Lord. A thousand years for the Lord is like a blink of an eye. A thousand years is, is just like a day to him. Uh, it's, it's, he lives forever, and yet we are like a dream, here one moment and gone the next. So right, at, right off the bat, what the psalmist is trying to do, he's trying to compare us to God. He's saying, God is from everlasting to everlasting, and you are here but a moment. Now remember, uh, sometimes days feel long, right? Sometimes we feel like things are, are moving slowly, and yet they're all kind of barreling forward to that day when we meet the Lord, till we br breathe our last breath. And when that happens, we, as believers, will open our eyes to eternity. I, I love that song, 
uh, Amazing Grace. And I love that last stanza. I sing it often at funerals. If I ever have the opportunity to, to sing to someone uh, who's in a coma and can't um, fully understand or that, that last moment I know that I'm going to be with them, I want to sing Amazing Grace to them. I want to remind them of the grace that we have in Christ. And I want, to, I want them to hear that when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Because when we start praising God, we will praise God for everlasting. Because we have received everlasting life. God is everlasting. Man is fleeting. And then verses 7 through 11, we see this next section that is brought because of sin. For we are brought to an end by your anger. Your, by your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. We don't often want to think about God's wrath. We don't often want to think about God's anger. But we know our sins. We know our iniquities. And oftentimes we want to kind of, kind of, kind of sweep them under the rug like those dust bunnies. But the reality is, is that they're going to be found out. And we know they're going to be found out. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, let me just be very clear with you. You know your sin. You know that the guilt and the, the condemnation you feel because you do wrong. That, that is the holy God of the universe that says to you that something's not right, that you are not right, that, that you have a heart that is perishing. Because one day your sins are going to be brought before the Lord. All of our sins. And dear brothers and sisters, if you have those secret sins, do not think they will not be discovered. Do not, beloved, come here in this gathering and, and try to act as if we have it all together. None of us have it all together. We need close, godly brothers and sisters. We can confide in and say, I don't have it all together. I'm struggling with jealousy. I'm struggling with, with lust. I'm struggling with, with anger. Help me. I have this, 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 this thing I'm, I can't overcome, this addiction. Listen, if we hide our sins the sins will grow. If we confess them, bring them to the light, God will give us healing. Listen, can I just tell you from time, from my time as a pastor, that those people who have come to me and confessed their sins boldly and freely, they have found freedom. The ones who hide longer and longer go deeper and deeper into sin. And we, we know gravity, do we not? Is it easier or is it harder to get out of the hole when it gets bigger? Don't make the hole get bigger. Come forward now. One day we will stand before the Lord to pay account for them. So if you're, if you're here tonight and you're not a believer, just you see how this, stick with me. Understand that you are under God's anger. You are under God's wrath because of your sin. And as we go on, verse 9 for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Now Moses is probably writing this after they have left Egypt, after 
they're about to go into the promised land. So think about the toil and the trouble that happened when they were in the wilderness. How every one of that generation died. Some may have died at 40, some at 50, some at 60. Maybe they made it to 70, and maybe if they were really strong, they made it to 80, living the hard life of the wilderness. But all of them are gone and fly away. Then it says in verse 11, this, this question. And every time you read the Psalms, pay attention to those questions because the questions are, are, are the author's way to help draw you in to ask yourself the, the main point of the, of the Psalm. It says, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Fear, reverential awe before the Lord is consistent with understanding his, his anger and his wrath. Because if we understand his anger and his wrath, his anger and his wrath is towards what? It's towards sin. It's towards injustice. It's towards rebellion. And then right there in verse 12, we see this last section. This is where we have hope tonight. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I said to those of you who may not know Christ, just, 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 this is, the, this is the, the key part for you tonight. We want you to go before the Lord. Like all of us here, we want, to, we want the Lord to teach us to number our days, to have us realize that our days are finite, that one day our, our lives are going to end. So we want to live with a heart of wisdom. If you are, are not in, in Christ, let me plead with you, turn to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because he's the only way that you can get past that last day. He's the only way that on that day your sins are going to be covered and forgiven because God sent Jesus to live that perfect life to die that, that, the death that we deserve. But not only die, but to be raised to the newness of life, to the resurrection from the grave. And Jesus says, if anyone turns from their sins, repents, and trusts in him, you will have eternal life. What a glorious, that's wisdom. The only way that I can stand judgment is, is by having Christ. That's wisdom. Let's not live, let's not live in our, in our minds and in our lives as if we're going to live forever. Beloved, this is a helpful reminder for all of us, is it not? How many times do we waste our time on things that are inconsequential? Now, we could talk about things like Netflix and social media. We could talk about how we waste our time with that or how we waste our time thinking about what others think of us or how we strive to do all these things in our lives so that the, the opinion of others would be elevated of us. Listen, we want our lives to be left, lived with wisdom. We want, we want to take our lives and we want to connect them to one another in the body of Christ. We want to, to consider how we can stir one another up to love and good works. We want to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we want our neighbors to do the same. We want to maybe orchestrate our whole entire lives to be centered around the, the family of God and a way to reach the lost for Christ. We want to give ourselves to the kingdom of, of God. We will not be regretful on judgment day when we gave ourselves to the Lord. We see this in Colossians 4, Ephesians 5. Let us live with wisdom in this day. Verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy in the, in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all your days. I love this line. Make us glad 
for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Uh, I remember uh, when Pastor Keith preached on Job uh, and he, he talked about how God was in the business of restoring Job and he gave him more at the end of his life than he had at the beginning. And this is what the psalmist is asking here. He's saying, listen, will you please give us the same number of, of years of blessing and your favor as you've given us affliction and trial? Not, every, not all of our lives are going to be full of, of sunshine and joy. Some of us are going to be tasked with going through trials and difficulties. And yet God does that for a purpose. But if we're in Christ, all the, the 70 or 80 or 90 years uh, we live on this earth are but a blip for eternity. I mean, Pastor, Pastor Keith, again, this Tuesday morning, you said, sometimes I just, I'm longing for that day when this world will end and we will experience the joys that are at God's right hand forevermore. But God promises to give us that joy. So, but until then, we, we rest in 16 and 17. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. I want God in, in our time right here on Wednesday night, on, on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, I want us to experience the glory of God, right? And then I want our children to experience the glory of God. Do you know that every single night our, on Wednesday, our children are being fed the deep things of God and theological truths? It is amazing what our kids are learning. If you haven't gone to your children's teachers lately and said, thank you, your children's Sunday school teachers and said, thank you for your preparing. Thank you for your study. Thank you for pouring your life into my children so that they can experience the hope in God. I pray that you do that this week. And those of you who are teachers, may I, may I charge you to continue to do so more and more because every time you drop the seeds of the gospel into these young hearts, one day they're going to blossom into eternal life. Let that be our prayer. Let, let, let God show his glory to us and his glorious power to save our kids. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Beloved, we only have 70, 80, 90 or years of strength, maybe 100 years on this earth. Let us take our hands Let's take our feet, let's take our mouths and our eyes and our ears and then use them for the glory of God, that God may establish them to bring in his kingdom for his glory. Father, we pray that you would show us your favor, that you would establish the work of our hands. Yes, Lord, we ask that you would establish the work of our hands. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, we do have some prayer requests to bring before the body tonight. So if you want to, uh, we are uh, live streaming this for those who can't make it. So just be, be mindful of the prayer request.